Jeff, I think by now on the show, we have established that you are a banker, correct? Uh, a banker, yes. And is the pinnacle of all banking to one day, I guess, like you work for the Federal Reserve where you get to print money out of thin air and hand it to all your banker friends <laughs> so they get to capitalize on the inflation? I mean, I guess that's the that's the pinnacle for some people, I'm sure. Right. So, and you also, I've seen you, well, we've texted about it and talked about it and you have mentioned that you purchased some Dogecoin. Like you have, you have a few crypto holdings. Yes. I have, uh, I have dabbled in the crypto market. I do claim to fame. I was on crypto in like 2015 for what it's worth. That's well before the 2017. Right. So like I remember going to a conference and being in like one of like six people in a conference room learning about Bitcoin when it was like 150 bucks. So it would have been nice to know about it back then. I'm kind of upset you didn't tell me about it. Well, um, I didn't know you and I bought it. And then when it went up to like 250, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, so I didn't make any money. Yeah. Anyway, well, sorry. And Continue. we have also discussed that we are pre-rich. <laughs> we are pre-rich. That is true. Jeff, I worked on a little project last night Uh-oh. and this morning, and I tweeted about it today. You I said it. that I had a stellar idea. It's ominous. I am here to tell you <laughs> that I have made both of us billionaires because our podcast <laughs> officially has its own cryptocurrency now, no. and the Brigham coin exists, <laughs> and I deposited a billion of them each to each of us in a wallet and they are out there it's it's not up on any exchanges yet but it should be hopefully by the end of the week i'm waiting for some approval thing to get figured out but the ticker is gehb i love it brigham coin is now something that exists (laughs) so (laughs) where are we going to be able to buy this well have you i mean how much do you follow the crypto space Uh, enough so follow it enough. it's on the Stellar blockchain and it, it's okay. on Stellar, which is actually Stellar is probably one of my favorite uh, crypto projects. And it actually, I think, has a real world use of making, you know, wires and bank transfers a mm-hmm. hell of a lot cheaper than they currently are, especially if you're going international, you know, exchanging of things. And so here, I mean, here, I'll pull up the wallet on my phone and <laughs> I will show you that look. GE. Oh, that doesn't work because the uh, screen blends into your background. My, my background. I'll send you a screenshot right now. I love this. So GEHB is a real coin and it <laughs> will be available on the, well, Stellar has its own decentralized exchange. So basically as long as you go through certain steps, you can get it listed and then anybody can start trading it. And if it's not listed, you can still send it to somebody directly as long as like they know you. So we may have to do a few private transactions off the books here, but the it should be up on the Stellar Exchange here soon. And the good people, our fans, will be able to acquire uh, them. And I, oh, I did put all of them that are created. So I created 1,984,000,000,000 coins is the yeah, total makes supply. Sense. Of course. And they are listed for... Um, point well so the stellar their the coin on the stellar network is the lumen and it's 0.1984 lumens is how much they cost for each brigham coin i was gonna say so on this screenshot you sent me one billion brigham coins is worth four dollars and 64 cents yes something like that i like currently i I like it's gonna go up we need all hellions to buy brigham coin we got to figure out how you can buy it first, but you should yeah. be able to soon. This is this is this is why Givamel Brigham is the best BYU podcast around because we are not just a BYU podcast. We're not just a sports podcast. This is all encompassing. We have created merchandise. We have created hats and shirts and stickers. I sent out boxes this week with Givamel Brigham packaging tape. We have buttons. We have all kinds of things, and now we have a coin. We have a this coin. is the coolest thing that we have had without question. I I mean, I was pretty excited about it. I was I was reading about it and I was like, oh, how hard would this be to do? And then I saw this video and it was like 10 minutes long to create this thing. And so I was like, huh, but that was like pretty confusing. And so 
then like the video, it said it was supposed to be easy, but then it wasn't. And then, so I had to mess around today. Like I wrote a script, a Python script to do it and had to run it on a few tests to make sure I did everything right. And then now we're cooking. We're just waiting for approval to get it actually listed so people can buy and sell it for real. I absolutely love it. I love so much about this. How incredible. The fact that there is a GEHB ticker. It's almost like, like we're on the stock exchange. Like this is a big deal. Right. I mean, this is how, so we did look at buying GEHB.com, but it was going to be like 10 grand. So we, this is how we can pay for that. Yes. So if everyone buys enough, then if GEHB goes to the moon, we just got to get like Portnoy to tweet about it once. Yeah. Maybe Elon Musk to tweet about it. Maybe we should ask him be like, Hey, Dave, Elon, (laughs) is there, there's no barstool coin, right? Not yet. Well, let's, I'm gonna call Dave Portnoy out tomorrow. (laughs) Well, once this goes live and be like, dude, you're a hack. You say that you're all in, you know, with Mr. Davey day trader global, but you're a hack because you don't have a barstool coin. I love it. I absolutely love it. This is, I was worried about what this was, something that you'd been working on. You teased it that I had no idea about. And my mind was running. Like it could have been anything. I did not come across cryptocurrency. So, I mean, I put a, I put a little nugget in there that it was Uh a stellar, that it was a stellar Uh, idea. Oh, yes, you did. Look at you. Look at you. That that is fantastic. Well, I'm excited. I've never owned a billion of anything, so there that just go. feels cool to say too. I got oh. a billion. Of there we go. Here, dude. Actually, it is live. in real time. No, it is live. I'm looking at this right now. Here, I will send you the link. That it is <laughs> here on this website. You can buy. You can pay with a credit card to get the lumens and then exchange them for Brigham coins. I like it. And I even, the logo is our, like, click on the link I just texted you, or maybe I'll post it in the chat here, actually. That'll be easier for you. Um, <laughs> the, our podcast logo is the, actually, is like, is the logo for the coin that shows up on the exchanges with the microphone. This is, this is phenomenal. I'm pulling it up. It's loading. <laughs> the price is 1984. I love it. All right, man. We're getting rich. GEHB to the moon. So, yes, for GEHB to the moon. Diamond hands only for our podcast fans. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Well, hey, we have, uh, for the first time, really, uh, a formal read that we need to make here. New advertisers that I am incredibly excited about. They are, I guess we're the advertiser, but new ad to read. Um, and so we, we've tried to work this in and kind of try to make it feel like it's an organic that we're bringing up our, our, our reads. And it's never really felt that way. And it's always been a little bit herky-jerky. So we're just going to kind of go straight into it and actually read it. Um, it might be shorter next week. It might be longer next week. We might change it, but we're trying something. So let's see how this works. And I, I, I'm super thrilled that Hershey High Country Beef is part of the Give Them Hell Brigham podcast. Oh, this is very on brand for us. Very, very on brand. On brand. Scott Hershey grew up raising cattle. In fact, his grandpa, an immigrant from Switzerland who helped settle the Bear Lake Valley, was one of the first people to raise cattle in that Bear Lake area. And if you've ever been up there to the Bear Lake area, ton of cattle farmers. Scott grew up learning from his grandpa and his dad learned all the ins and outs of raising beef and it's always been his dream to own his own ranch he found himself immersed in corporate america with his career but kept his passion kind of on the side his passion being ranching he and his wife raised five sons and one daughter on the ranch and the best way to teach kids hard work and responsibility is to be a farmer all six kids graduated from davis high school and have gone on to become successful in their careers and in their respective lives in the past because ranching was just a side hobby the calves would be sold off to meat suppliers and distributors but recently we have all experienced what can happen to disrupted supply chains the shortage was not due to a lack of beef supply the issue was an inability to process and transport beef to consumers hershey high country beef 
has solved this problem. They have eliminated the middleman and can provide beef directly to you, the consumer. The SWH Ranch raises grass-fed Angus beef in the mountains of southeast Idaho in the summer and then all along the Great Salt Lake Valley in the winter. We are, we being Hershey High Country Beef is presently reserving whole or half beef that will be ready in the early summer. So you can get a whole cow or a half cow, reserve it now for the early summer's harvest. So we're a couple of months away. In the future, as this business grows, because this is a new business, a small business, then you know how we love small businesses here at Give Them Hell Brigham. Uh, they hope to be able to provide on-demand meat options for monthly delivery. This is some of the best beef. If you have never ordered like a half cow or a full cow directly from the supplier, it, it changes the game. The beef is so much better. It's cheaper. If you order a half cow, it comes out to be about $5.40, like $5.40 a pound. It ends up being a slightly expensive for ground beef, but unbeatable unbeatable prices on literally every on other everything cut. else yep a hundred percent and it tastes so much better everything about it is better uh, if you order the half beef it, it, it ends up being about 1300 1500 bucks you have to pay a 400 deposit split it with your friend that's what i've always done i've never had the room for you know an additional 200 pounds of beef so you order a quarter beef you know you buy a half beef and you and i would split it it ends up being five to six chuck roasts seven to eight packages of short ribs four to five round roasts two bottom round roasts two sirloin tip roasts a full brisket four to five packages of sirloin steaks, five to six packages of T-bone steaks, four packages of tenderloin steaks. If this feels like we're going on and on, it's because this is a lot of beef, eight packages of rib steaks, two to three packages of stew meat, 15 packages of hamburger, and you get the bones to throw into your soup as well for flavoring. Phenomenal deal. You won't get better taste. And this is a local company, a small business, and a BYU fan. Like what could be better than supporting Hershey High Country Beef. You can find them, make your reservation now at HersheyHighCountryBeef.com. Super excited they're part of the show. I am very excited. I got to figure out how to get me some of that down here. Um, you know, because, well, there is, I did have, there was a guy that I would buy meat from when I was living up in the Phoenix area. Um, also a BYU fan. Um, as far as where Killian beef, very similar story, but down here in the desert of Arizona, but he, uh, it is, it really is just such higher quality meat and it really does make a difference. And I want to actually know if part of that, like, yes, you get the bones, but I don't know, it's probably not going to trim. I don't know how much they're going to trim, but I want all the fat. Like I want to, I want the tallow so I can use that to, on all of my cast iron, like give me true. Like I want, you know, give me the tallow from it and we'll see. On um, your new Blackstone. Yes. On my new Blackstone, which my, I think there was a little bit of confusion about that actually. Um, as I was talking and I said, it was like a griddle and my wife, like she thought that it was like going to be a griddle, like just to put in, cause they do make griddle plates that like right. you can rip for your kettle, just like to put in. I, was, I thought I was just going to like get some steel and put that in. And that's kind of like what she thought it was. And she was like, okay, get one. And then I ordered it and then the box came and she was like, holy crap, this is huge. Like, <laughs> cause I got the, I mean, I got the 36 inch, like I, I didn't mess around. And actually I texted you about this and was like, you okay, did. like, should I get the 28? And you're like, no, get the 36. So I did. And it, uh, but then as we did breakfast on it and had French toast and sausage and eggs, and took a one bite and it was just like, okay, yeah, I get it. So if fellas or ladies, if your significant other is a little hesitant on it, just buy it, make them some good French toast. Like don't use some like janky bread. Like we got some no, nice go get brioche. Some Texas toast. We got, yeah, some, some brioche. Steak. We got some brioche. We got, you know, put in using cream instead of milk mixed in yeah. with the eggs and the vanilla yeah. and the cinnamon went a very luxurious french toast throw it on there and one bite later the purchase will be forgiven i just for fun this last week on my blackstone i cracked 18 eggs mixed it up in a bowl a full dozen and a half thick a whole pack 
put it into a bowl. I scrambled those eggs. Now, obviously, this was not I wasn't going for high high end dining here. I was going for utility of I can cook fancy food. I can cook food that tastes great. But can I cook for like the young men? Right. One of the young men come over or can I cook for a family reunion? So I just wanted to see. I did 18 eggs, got them fully scrambled and they tasted great. It took like three and a half minutes. It's you have it's unbelievable. so much real estate and you have having the four burners to be able to like, I didn't even like, I turned on two of the burners and then the whole thing heats up enough to where it's like, okay, I can just scoot this over. It's not going to dry out my sausage. It's not going to, you know, burn like the toast. It's, it's going to sit there in a nice pile, staying warm until I'm ready to eat. It's just, it was, it's a magic breakfast on the Blackstone is a magical experience. Undefeated. It is undefeated. And Blackstone, if you want to sponsor this, you're from Logan. I don't know. They're probably Aggie fans, I'm assuming, maybe because mm-hmm. they live up in Logan. There's but a we'll lot for- of BYU fans up there. It's true. We'll forgive I mean, we- I'm from Logan. Uh, this is, yeah, you are. Well, are you? How? I was born you- in Logan, Utah. My first, let's see. And then I moved to Lewiston, Utah, where my grandparents still live, where my parents are both from. So that is Aggie country. But we're all BYU fans up there. There's a lot of BYU fans in the Cash Valley. I mean, there's obviously, and a lot is a relative word. There's a lot of Aggie fans. There's a ton of BYU fans. There's not very many Utah fans. It's one of the few places in the state of Utah that it's a little bit of a sanctuary from that red color. Like that, actually, can, that is nice. I, I could get behind that, actually. Yeah. I, mean, I don't so want bad. the winter up there. Yeah. But. If you could deal with the negative 20 degrees, then, yeah, I mean, it's nice. But summers are great. So anyway, if it feels like we haven't talked about BYU sports, it's because we haven't. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, nobody has talked about BYU sports. We are going on, what, like two weeks now, three weeks of really next to no news happening about this program. It's just dead. It's a dead time. Yeah, there's we do have an agenda. And we want to talk about this, some things. Uh, the next item on our agenda is NBA Top Shop, which has nothing to do with BYU sports. Nothing. And I, it felt like we probably can work that in later. But now that we're here talking about it, we'll just continue this intro of non-BYU related things. Have you heard? I think I talked to you about NBA Top Shot, didn't I? Uh, no. NBA Top Shot is revolutionizing the trading card game. So they are using blockchain to validate their cards and to keep their cards limited in quantity they have the full support of the nba and the nbpa and they are basically what they are is they're like little digital moments is what they're calling them okay where it's like you get an individual play from multiple angles but the play comes with it comes with like a branding of it like there's metallic plays and then there's different series and different things like that in each series has its own limited quantity. So the base has like 15,000 of each moment exist. But as you get up into like the legendary status, then there's only, you know, 50 of these crazy LeBron James type cards. Dude, some of these cards are selling for like $250,000. Oh my gosh. Like it's crazy. I, I got involved. I was late. I mean, I'm not some early adopter, but I got involved like a week ago and I invested three dollars in a mike conley card i invested 17 dollars into a boyan bogdanovich card and then i later invested about 65 dollars into a lonzo ball card and so what is that three plus 17 plus 65 so i was in about 85 bucks give or take i can't remember the exact prices uh i have currently four cards that are still available for sale on the market and if I look at my balance in my account, it's at $308 because I have just bought and sold and bought and sold. And I have gradually moved my way up and it's fun to do. It's like, it is all the fun of like trading cards of the eighties and nineties, but you get to do it in 2020, you know, and like have modern technology. It's cool. And the fact that it has the full support of the NBA, like you're hearing, if you pay attention, you'll hear players talking about it in their press conferences and stuff right now and it's just driving the value up like you can't find a card for less than twenty dollars right now a week ago i was able to buy some for like three this is it's crazy 
I went to go buy a pack today. So they like anything else, right? Like they'll drop packs where you can just open up a random pack and get three or four cards. Uh, They will release a very limited quantity. Uh, So today they did a stress test because as they've grown in the last week, uh, their, their website has its, you know, it's, it's reliability problems as traffic increases and things like that. So they did a a stress test today and they released 5,000 packs and I was in fairly early in line and I ended up being number 17,000 in line. And it was like, well, crap, I'm not going to get one of those packs. But then there were like 190,000 people behind me. So there's demand and it seems to be growing every day. It's a lot of fun. So that's why I, this is, it's more of a PSA. It feels like we're just marketing all of these things to all of you guys today, but this is more of a PSA. I feel like we're not quite at Bitcoin levels. Like I'm not, this isn't that 2015 uh, conference room where I'm telling everybody something that like you guys aren't going to believe, but we're like at the beginning of the 2017 bubble of Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is still at like $8,000 right now and it's going to go up to like $40,000. That's where we're at. This is going to continue to grow, this NBA Top Shot thing. And it feels a little expensive right now on some of these moments. And it feels a little bit weird, but these values are only going up. Well, yes, it's like, so I'm looking now, the cheapest one you can get, like you said, you get like an Alec Burke or Mason Plumley. Like, who cares about that? Those are like 20 bucks. The cheapest, cheapest card you can get is an, a the moment of Ish Smith getting an assist. Yeah, $15. That's the cheapest thing on here. There's not very many that uh, are cheap anymore. But uh, what I have found, I mean, I've lost money on a couple of the the ones that I bought. And and really, I just hold them and then eventually they sell anyway. Uh, So I haven't really lost money, but I haven't gained what I hoped to gain is when I buy just random ones. But if you can find like an even moderately known player, like there's one on in the marketplace right now auto porter auto porter junior for like 20 bucks is he great no but i guarantee you that over time that 20 dollar moment is going to be you'll sell it for 40 like you can look and what's kind of cool about this is you can see the lowest listed price and the lowest listed price for that moment because again there's you know 15,000 of those moments is the 20 bucks but as you kind of scroll through Outside of that $20, it's like, oh, okay, everything else is listed at 32, 35, 40, 39. You kind of get an idea that, oh, okay, what's these six that are in the 20 sell? Then my $40 price is going to be the lowest price. I don't know how sustainable these prices are, and I don't know how long this little bubble lasts, but you might as well make some money and enjoy the ride at the beginning. Right. I mean, it's, I, think it's a really cool idea and it's that's one of the reasons why the nba it's is kind of gaining market share over the mlb especially is because of things like this right like it's you know they don't have and there's not in mlb the show league right but the 2k league has been around for a while like it was like you know how each team has their like official esport counterpart and all that stuff like the nba is trying right to do things um and that is a good, this is a good segue. And I'm very interested. I'm going to start dropping some money in NBA top shot um, is this basketball team BYU. It's, I feel like, especially now that the last week, now that Caleb Lohner has turned on the jets and found his groove, this team is good. And I had a former coworker who's a listener to the show of the show reach out to me. And he was like, you guys need to talk about the basketball team. more. They're good. And I'm like, okay, we will talk about them more. And we talked you know, we've the last couple of times we talked about, we've been iffy because it's like, I would, you know, they haven't really played anybody because the schedule outside of USC, San Diego state and Gonzaga was pretty weak. You know, hadn't really played anybody it's kind of a pain and kind of really annoying to watch the games with all of the echo in the background. And the- well, for a while, they really truly didn't play anybody. Right. They played three total games in the month of February. Right. And so it was, there was not a lot to talk about, but now BYU is actually right and sit right now, just pulled up Ken Palm at rank number 18 in the country, one ahead of San Diego state. Who's number 19. Which is wild. That's a wild ascension for BYU. Even just in the last like week or two before that Pacific game, they were sitting at like 32 and then they go out and they absolutely curb stomp Pacific 80 to 52. And really it wasn't even that close. It it could have been a 40 point game and they have just slowly creeped their way up 
the Ken Palm rankings while right. being idle. And it's so last year they finished number 13 in Ken Palm, mm-hmm. but their rating was a 20.68, and their rating currently is a 21.21. So Ken Palm would actually have this year's team about a half point favorite. I don't know. I mean, a lot of that's like Yoli didn't play for so much of the beginning of last season, but then also there was a mess of rotations getting figured out at the beginning of the season. So it's kind of, I would say probably, I mean, so a half a point is whatever that's like sixes. I mean, that's basically a pick them. I would still say last year's team is maybe like three or four points. I would put them ahead, but the biggest thing to me is right now. Well, so last year offensive rating was number seven and defense was number 60. Currently the offense is 27 and the defense is 23. So it's That's a well-rounded basketball team. It's a well-rounded basketball team. And the thing for me is that it is this team is playing completely different style. Like I'm not so much impressed with the team and how good the team is, as much as to me, it speaks to the staff of like like Kate, the most consistent players the last couple of weeks. Kids like we knew we had Barcelo, right? And it's like picked up harms, completely changed. Like he plays a very different game than Yoli did right? Or Colby Lee being your big man down the last year. And then it's getting Gideon George and Caleb Lohner. It's like, is it completely, it's almost running an entirely different system focusing on this is what we got. Like we need to figure out how to play in a way that maximizes each of these people's individual, each of these players, individual talent and individual skill set, and figure out how that all meshes together. And so you see it's, you know, offensively, they're not as good offensively because they're not jacking up as many threes. Like they are in the tempo last year, they were 108th in tempo with uh, like 69 and a half possessions a game. This year, they're six, six, 202nd in tempo, right? So it's like a, you know, they like a 50% drop, you know, because there's what 300 and something odd teams. So it's like mm-hmm. way down in tempo and just in playing way more aggressively on defense. Because I know, like, look, we don't have TJ Haas. We don't have, um, like, you know, we don't have uh, Jake. Why can I never remember his last name? Uh, Toulson. Yes, we don't have Jake Toulson out there. Like, Yoli is a very, like, Harms is more of a rebounder, and he's okay. Like, he's a good scorer, but he is not Yoli. And what he can do offensively in the paint, like, we need to be a defensive team. And they came out and did it. And that, to me, is so freaking exciting. Uh, yeah, it's huge, really. I mean, it's uh, it's really cool. It's been really cool for me, and I think this is a testament to coaching and talent. Uh, you mentioned it, though. Uh, Caleb Lohner. Caleb Lohner in the month of February, he went for 11-6 and six against Portland, 9-8 and eight against Gonzaga, 19-9 and nine against Pacific, and 18-7 and seven against Loyola Marymount. Like, the, the, the kids figured it out. That's what he, we expected from yeah, Caleb I mean, Lohner. It took him maybe a little bit longer than people hoped as he adjusted to the speed of the game, but he's figured out the speed of the game. He's figured out, you know, when he can take his shots and when he can get aggressive, it's really starting to come naturally to him. And that changes the dynamics of this entire basketball team. It gives them an explosive weapon who can score down low. He can shoot the three. I mean, he can do a lot of different things. And I felt like it really felt like that was what BYU was missing. It was almost like they were just missing somebody who could make a play. They had Barcelo and they had to an extent Averett, but everybody else had to be set up, right? Like it had to be set up by Barcelo or set up by an exceptional play design and execution. Well, Loner gives them somebody else who can go out and make a play. And we all kind of thought that needed to come by way of a guard because that just felt natural. But Caleb Loner has filled the need of a playmaker. And I think that has opened everything up for everybody else. Team's playing with confidence. Uh, it's a good time to have to play San Francisco and St. Mary's to round out the regular season. Uh, credit to the, we talked about it last week. We didn't think it would happen, but kudos to the WCC for trying their best to accommodate these tourney teams, giving BYU games against San Francisco and it's St. Mary's. It's probably the, the best that BYU could have done other than just playing Gonzaga two more times. So 
I think, I think that's good credit to the conference. It's good if BYU wins. If they blow one, then I mean we talked about it's it last true. week. It's yeah, you're right. really bad. But I just want to go back to Ken Palm really quick. So last year, obviously, I thought like Kate okay, Gonzaga was a dang good team last year. Um, they finished number two in Ken Palm. Their rating was 26.95. Number one was Kansas, whose rating was 30.23. Gonzaga's current ranked number one and their rating is 38.14 this this year's gonzaga team would be a 12 point favorite over last year yeah, they're their freaking death star man like they are unbelievable like, i don't know how they do it it really upsets me i just keep waiting for the recruiting violations to come because it's the only thing that makes sense to me spokane and, and like mark view was great they've been a really good program for a long time but it's only recently that they turned into the empire and it has to be recruiting violations. That is legitimately the only thing that I can make sense of. Yeah. Cause I mean, so well, they had their oh, 2004, that was like their first like big, big year. Right. Well, I guess fuse first year, they went to back to back sweet 16s, but it was like, they got a two seed in 2004, but their Ken Palm ratings under few 23, 38, 24, 33, up to number seven, Mark View, 26, 33, 49, 25, 2009, got to Sweet 16 as a four seed. They were finished number eight. So it's like then 44, 37. That's basically Mark View as Dave Rose, right? Like right. if you're looking, you know, and then gets up there 21. And then 2013, it's like five. And then 2014, they drop to an eight seed because they lost a ton of people. Uh-huh. Finished, still finished 24. That's seven, 21. One ten two two one. Like something yeah. has happened in the last six back years. Bagman, 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 Bagman. There's no way you're convincing people to go to Spokane. No. Listen, I cover enough recruiting. Uh, this is how the game works, especially in football. And the schools that play it clean. Like, I think they're giving Zach coin, and maybe that's <laughs> how they're paying the recruits. Dude, you know that Alabama is giving their recruits Bitcoin, right? Like totally untraceable. Oh, the they're not doing. They're not doing Bitcoin because Bitcoin's got the open ledger. It's going to be Monero because Monero is the completely okay. anonymous they're, one. They're doing something, and I I have no doubt about that. Uh, but I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, Gonzaga is unbelievable. But BYU basketball is trending in the right direction, and I don't know if they're ever going to become unbelievable, but I think they're going to be really good, and I think that. Uh, how do, how do I phrase this delicately? I don't think that Mark Pope is ever going to hire bag men. I don't think that he's ever going to do anything that would get BYU into hot water. But I think that he will push the temperature as far as he can before he hits hot water. And that's what I love to hear. That's he, wants what... to, he wants to win. And that's what, I mean, if everybody else is cheating, which... We've seen that's what they're doing. I mean, hello, Sean Miller is being recorded on by the FBI cheating in the recruiting game and nothing's happening. He's still coaching on the sidelines at Arizona. So if the other people are openly cheating and nothing seems to matter, the only thing that is going to prevent a school from cheating is their moral compass. And BYU is not going to allow uh, a sports program to potentially bring harm to the name of the church, right? right. So they're never going to condone pushing the levels like as far as apparently the university of Arizona has. But I think that wherever that line is, you can bet that Mark Pope will walk right up to it. Conversely, Dave Rose, especially in light of the Nick Emery stuff there at the end, right? Like Dave Rose, wasn't going to come close, close to that line. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall didn't want to come close to that line. And Kalani, I think tried, but in football, it's a little bit different. And he is kind of, had to take a step or two back away from that line but with basketball where you don't have as as many people to manage i think it's easier to do and i think mark pope will get as close to that line of aggressive without breaking rules as you possibly can and i think that's a good thing i do think it's a good thing um and i hope we do flirt with that line and Brian Smith, I've always said BYU won't be a legitimate school until they have a serious recruiting violation. And I know that Jetta, now they have Jetta, one. A Jetta the Jetta isn't – no, the Jetta is not real. Because wasn't the Jetta used to go to a U2 conference in Disneyland? Like, no, that's not yeah. That's not it. No. No, I need uh, – I mean, it's BYU, so it's not like hookers and cocaine can be on a recruiting visit. But, like, 
I mean, kind of. I'd kind of be okay with that. If I, I, heard, I don't know what things were like when Gary Croton was around, but that is true. That is true. If I heard, did get a lot of talent those guys, that I, couple of years that held the program steady for almost a decade. I, I really liked the idea. I mean, it didn't happen. It ended up being socks, but I really liked the idea that Dwayne Busby was out operating in the shadows and, you know, hooking up Taysom Hill with like car stereo systems. Like that was cool. Like I was, I was on board. And then when it was socks, it was, eh, well. I kind of, I missed that whole thing because that summer when that happened, I was living in Moscow and so uh, I, I, well, it me... was like, I was half, like I wasn't on a mission. I was working, but it was like my, I was half, like my clock was off, right. Being halfway around the world. And so it yeah. didn't really like, you know, I didn't really get, um, it was, it was mostly driven. I mean, 1280 was the one who caught the the bulk of the, I guess the flack from BYU fans, but that was, uh, it was driven by the Utah blogger world and it's a different blogger world than the ones that are there now you know it wasn't the steve bartles the brian browns the guys that that we know and love but there was a former era of the the utah blogger that the originated like the source that where that story originated i'm not going to out him because he's still in the market but it originated with that person. And then those, the former Utah blogger world really lit the fuse and let it go. And, and they hoped that it would become this big scandal to ultimately, I guess, shut down BYU athletics, but they were misinformed. So here we are. They it's were. very similar to the story of Zach Wilson was in the car with Neil Powell. Like not a lot of truth to it, like zero. But Same they, source though, interestingly enough on that one. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I... <laughs> I uh, I think when you when you hear that that it's, it was being driven by Utah bloggers, it makes it makes you upset. Like, why would Utah care that much? But I had a conversation with a, a former coach about the Zach Wilson stuff that I said, yeah, I think this started with a with a Utah blogger, and he said that's the most SEC thing I've heard about BYU and Utah, like using a blogger to create a scandal about your rival. That's that's Georgia, Florida stuff right there. Like that's Auburn, Alabama stuff right there. So once I put it into that perspective, is like, hell yeah, I can get on board with Utah wanting to slander somebody. We're we're legit in Utah. Like UCLA and USC, they don't care enough to do that. Oregon, Oregon State, you really think that the Oregon beat guys are gonna try to figure out a scandal to take down Oregon State? Like they don't care. But here in Utah, we are as close to the SEC as you can get without being in the SEC. And I liked that. Okay. Um, I think that me, okay. So in the coming weeks, uh, Charlie Brewer, be warned. We are going (laughs) to be making up a rumor about you. We'll find something. We'll find something. We can find something for sure. Uh, There was football news. I mean, there's going to be more football news next week. Uh, But tonight, Jacob Robinson, former Orem High School standout, uh, announced that he would be transferring from Utah State to BYU. We talked about this a few weeks ago. As soon as Robinson hit the transfer portal, BYU was the expected destination. But this really couldn't have worked out better for BYU. Uh, so Robinson was part of the 20, I guess the 2020 class out of high school. And BYU had a scholarship crunch, and they couldn't take uh, – and Robinson was kind of a project a little bit. He wasn't – he didn't look like he was going to be a guy who was going to contribute immediately. And between that and the scholarship crunch, BYU asked Robinson to uh, gray shirt for a year. Robinson had a late offer come in from Utah State where he could play immediately. And he took, like anybody should, he took the offer to play immediately instead of the offer to sit around and wait, right? So he goes to Logan, COVID comes, the year ends up happening, but he can play while maintaining that year of eligibility. So he goes and he plays. Utah State doesn't play very many games. I think they only ended up playing five or six. Uh, Jacob played in all, but I think one, maybe two of them. And he played really, really well. He was one of the highest graded. I think he was the second highest graded uh, Utah State Aggie on PFF. Like he played very, very well, especially in the context of being a true freshman that did not get to have a normal lead up to the season because of COVID. Uh, He played exceptionally well. Then 
uh, Gary Anderson, I guess he's fired, but then there's the story that comes out that he walked away from the buyout. So is it kind of like he quit? I don't, I don't know. That feels weird to me, but Gary Anderson leaves uh, the, the new coach. What's his first name? Anderson. Um, remember Arkansas state guy comes yes. in and he Blake takes Anderson. over the program, Blake Anderson. Thank you. He comes in, takes over the program. Jacob decides he doesn't want to deal with all of the new coaching stuff. He wanted to play for Frank Miley. Maybe he's upset. I don't know. He transfers. Now he goes to BYU. How great did this work out for BYU? Well, they wanted Robinson to gray shirt anyways, but instead of just sitting around and twiddling his thumbs and watching people play football, he went and played D1 college football in Logan for free, right? For a free year only to transfer and basically be a gray shirt anyways for BYU. This could not have worked out better for BYU or Robinson. He gets to go to the school that he really wanted to go to. BYU gets the player that they wanted and they get to do it within the confines of the scholarship crunch that they initially planned for This, this is what Utah state should exist for. They should always be BYU's gray shirt school. So I've talked about this. This is unrelated to Utah state. I want to bring sports back to BYU, Idaho. And I want them to BYU, Idaho, the Vikings to make a comeback and join the big sky. And then once they're in the big sky, I want to say, okay, all athletes will be on a track to graduate in three years. So when you graduate, you will have two to play two. And if you are an all-conference selection in the big sky, if you make big sky all-conference, when you graduate, BYU will guarantee you a scholarship to come in as a grad transfer to Provo. I don't hate it. And it's kind of like what they did, you know, back right. in the day. Right. Like if you I mean, without yeah, the guarantees, if you were all, place. if you were all, at all Western States Football League pick, right? It, in Rexburg, you were going to, so we're going to go. So, yeah, just basically make it an FCS. It's Juco ball. Yeah, Same setup like as it. Juco, but much higher talent level in the competition. I, I feel like you know this answer, and maybe I should, but I don't. What was the mascot of the Ricks the Vikings? They were the Vikings. I read it in an article somewhere. Uh, about A-Rod that he had set like a record for the Vikings. And I was very confused. I always just assumed they were the Cougars, but they were the Vikings. Yep. I did not know that. So news to everybody, maybe the only news to me, I don't know, but the, the, the Rick's college Vikings. Okay. It is spring ball coming up. So news is coming folks. So hopefully next week's intro, we're not just going to talk about whatever, although we probably will but we'll have football content to talk about and we'll have some big basketball content after a big week. Like there will be some very, very good things to talk about next week. Yeah. It's going to be big. And hopefully I don't know what they are. They, what a media availability is going to be like for spring ball. I'm assuming none because of COVID and everything like being shut down. Maybe they'll get the socials team out there. Like, I mean, they'll, uh, they'll have the little clips that they put up, but like, you know, it'd be nice if like the way they did the broadcasted basketball practice on BYU TV, give us some of that in the spring. It would be nice, but I just, I mean, even with full, you know, in a pre pandemic world, Kalani didn't let the media really see much. Right. So I mean, you'd get the 20 minutes of viewing at the end where it was like, okay, we're going to show you the first team on, on Tuesday. But on Thursday, we're going to make it sound like we showed you the first team, but really you're going to be looking at a bunch of scout team guys playing. Right. And it was hard to really draw any real uh, takeaways from that. And when you throw in spring ball where just like, uh, maybe we need to talk about this, Garrett, because it happens every year. People are going to be playing in different positions next week. Like that's what spring ball is for. Spring ball is for just trying things out. And every year I get asked, well, who so-and-so is playing running back? Uh, what do we think of that? I think it's nothing until it happens in, in August. And, and that's really kind of this overarching theme of what happens in spring ball means virtually nothing. Now, I say that with the caveat of it means a lot, but it means a lot for the coaches as they make decisions after spring ball is over. Spring ball is just like this big petri dish of them experimenting with different stuff but they don't actually look at the results of their experiment until after spring ball is over because they only have a finite amount of time to play around in that petri dish right 
the feels or, like a really good analogy just that what it's worth. that is a good analogy or you get some um let me see or you get some random random things like players that are a walk-on that if somehow it's like they're there for a spring and then they get do something in the spring game and then they never ever like then they're not even on the roster come fall because they go somewhere else and oh what who there was a running back in the spring game a few years ago that i remember shoot i cannot remember is it he's someone he went to temp view and i remember in the spring game uh he got a bunch of carries in jamal williams like saying he reminded him of a penguin does this do you know <laughs> I, what I'm talking about? I don't remember this oh, at all. Uh I'm gonna say BYU Jamal Williams Penguin. I mean oh gosh. That's no, he has too many things going on. But it wait, it was I remember he it was like I don't remember the kid's name, but people were like, Oh my gosh, who's this kid who's walk on and then come and he, you know, Bronco, he got the most carries in the spring game, had like 75 yards and a touchdown, and then come fall, he wasn't even on the roster anymore and he had you know gone away and um like i don't know if he ended up at dixie or transferred down to snow or what like i don't i don't have to i have no idea i wish that i knew but the things I'm trying like that, to look up the roster can i tell you real quick just one very minor rant the new updated byu website when you go to their roster you can't sort by position anymore it doesn't uh, they work. need to fix that yeah, it's a nightmare. So the only way you could sort by name and you could only do ascending or descending, or you could use their filter situ- like their filter tool, their wizard, but like to go by positions, it has every sport listed. So if I want to look for the I'm looking at the football roster page and I go to the drop down to filter by position. And the first options that come up are the 100 meters, the 10,000 meters, the 110 hurdles, 1,600 meters. Like, come on, BYU. This is garbage. You are the school that built the, the whole Silicon Slopes, and you can't come up with a better format for your website than this yeah, trash? That's embarrassing. It's awful. So small rant as I'm trying to find who this could have been that you were talking about. I... I'm going to find it and it's, I'm, I don't know who this kid was, but I remember him being on there and it was like, I swear, very frustrated. I swear you went to tip view. That's what I'm searching for. I'm searching for players who went to tip view, but I can't think of any running backs off the top of my head that went to tip view that have played recently. And no, this was in like 2013 or 2014. Well, yeah. And that, yeah, Uh, I've looked in, I've looked through 2012 through 2014 now, and I got nothing, man. Dude, I got Creed Richardson. Is that who it is? No. If if I saw his name, I would do. I gotta like try to find it, but um, yeah. I mean, we're getting way off track here, but the uh, it's you know, Yeah, it's I'd have to find it, but at the back to the whole point of this, there are guys that show up on the roster for spring, they walk on, they may even get some run because guys are getting held out, or they're literally like you said, they're just doing everything they can, getting whatever random body they can't, like you know, whatever random guys in there they can to eat up some time, make people happy, and then they, you know, you never even see them again. Yeah, it's going to happen every year. I remember, and maybe he'll play, but Jeremiah Burr was his name. I don't even know who that is. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like it's the, um, oh, here. And actually, if you search his name, it, uh, Jake Hatch, back when he was writing for scout.com back in June 2014, he, there's an article about him on Cougar Sports Insider from way back then that Jake wrote. That's back in the uh, total blue sports days. Yes. Those are different days. It is a different era of 247.com slash BYU than it was back then. Very different. Uh, this has been a fun show. And I'm still kind of jonesing about Hershey High Country Beef. Like 
the ad's over. We're no longer getting paid for this. But I'll be honest with you, Garrett. I've been kind of like toying in my head the entire time. Are you going to go buy yourself a deep freeze? Well, I've got a deep freeze. The question is, do I have enough room in that deep freeze for a half cow? Mm. I don't know. Uh, I'm building a house. And so we bought, like this was, I don't know if this is a smart financial decision or not. I don't know. But as we were, so we're building through a builder. And while we were designing everything that we wanted, they gave us the option to buy our fridge through the builder. And in my head, it was like, well, yeah, I could buy some super fancy fridge and put it as part of my mortgage. Like, why would I not do that? Right. So I don't know if that's good or bad or sound or whatever, but that's what I did. And so now I'm going to, my plan was, okay, I've got this fridge. that's going to be in my house. Great. I don't have to worry about a fridge, but my fridge in my current house died last week. And so Mm. now I'm in this situation where I've got like six months at most in my current home and I need a fridge for that six months. Do I buy a fridge and then sell my current home with the fridge in it because that just seems like the nice courteous thing to do, but it's a brand new fridge now. So I ended up buying a fridge. I already have a freezer and I know that six months from now, I'm going to be, I'm going to take my new fridge that I just bought for my old home and probably just put it in the garage of my new home. I can take a lot of the stuff that's in my deep freezer now and just load up the freezer portion portion of that fridge. And I think I might have room for a half cow. Okay. And so that's what I've been thinking about in my brain throughout really the duration of this episode. I, you know, I think you should, I think you should do this just because you deserve to have a half cow in your life. Okay. Like just straight up, you deserve it. And I think you, you know, you should go out and you should do that. And then you should- t- I've never told anybody this. This is also not directly related, but, uh, and I, I apologize because I feel like we were getting ready to wrap up the show. We and I, I kind of led us there. I feel like I was the one who transitioned to the conclusion. And oh, now I'm going gonna, gonna to take us away. You're fine. Uh, I've never told anybody this. And now I am telling everybody this. Okay. This is a very big, big moment in the this life big of moment. one Jeffrey Hansen. And it is related to cows. Um, my grandpa he passed away when did he die uh 2017 so he's been gone for a a while one of the greatest men that i've ever known when i first got home from my mission my first semester of school he asked me how i was going to pay for school and i said i don't know i've been working i have some money saved if i can't afford it then you know i'll have to get a student loan like everybody does and he said jeff let me take care of it well my grandpa's a dairy farmer He didn't have money and I pushed like really, really hard because I was like, no, grandpa, like you can't do this. Come on, man. Like you absolutely can't do this. My grandpa went, he was getting ready to sell the farm and he went and he got a single cow out of his dairy before he was sold the farm. And he sold that single cow at auction and he gave me the proceeds of that single cow. And that is how. I paid for my first semester of college as he gave me that, you know, whatever it was at the time, 2,500 bucks. I can't remember what the, the number was, but he gave me the proceeds from that cow sale to pay for my first semester. Told me never to tell anybody now that he's been gone for four years. I feel like I can let the cat out of the bag. And so that's how I did it. That's the closest that I've ever got to having a cow. And now that we're here talking about this half cow and my freezer full of beef, that's kind of where my head went. You're right. I do deserve to have this cow. I almost had a cow once, but it was only kind of, I had the money of a cow. I want a cow. You want a cow? You go buy yourself a cow. The Hershey family, actually, you can skip, you know, you can pay us in beef, right? Just write it off. Like we don't need to do transactions and things, whatever. Right. Like just pay us in beef, mail me some steaks and we'll be happy. We'll get Jeff. I would love it. I would love it. Maybe want... they'll do, if you can't do a half, like, you know, we'll lock up the sponsorship for six months and you can get a quarter side. There we go. Whatever it is. I don't know, but I feel like I need this in my life. Hersheyhighcountrybeef.com. I'm continuing to sell for them. Put me on the payroll. Uh, it's great. 
and there's pictures of the cows. You can get to know your cow before you eat your cow. Like, this is great. Like, just order fresh beef. That's all there is to say. It really is. So order fresh beef, make food, just make good food. We was working on an article for the magazine this week that was talking about the three steps being a great home cook. And it's really, it's really quite simple. So you find a recipe that sounds good. You make the recipe two. And if you enjoyed it, you're done. That's it. You're a good. You're not trying to impress anybody. (laughs) If you and your family like it, that's fine. You check the box. You're not trying to be Wolfgang Puck, Gordon Ramsay over here. But if you do post something that is looks absolutely horrible and disgusting on social media, you may be ridiculed for it, rightly so. But that doesn't change the fact that your family enjoyed what you ate. So why? Yeah. Why are you cooking? You're cooking to if, feed yourself. And if it tastes good, you've done your job. And if you struggle to do that, then just go buy a Blackstone and eat breakfast for dinner every night and life will be grand. <sighs> forever there is a guy uh sam the cooking guy have you ever watched his videos oh, on oh, youtube yeah. Big oh fan he's fan. phenomenal and that's what he says all the time like i don't care what it looks like and you shouldn't care what it looks like i don't care what your food looks like you're cooking for yourself and i feel like that is it's an often overlooked aspect of cooking yeah it's you're cooking for yourself and sam my favorite thing that sam does is how he just keeps the whole roll of paper towels and doesn't tear one off he just grabs the roll and i love wipes it. it with it and then tears it off when he's done but, i love it i i learned from him that he cooks his pepperoni before he puts it on his pizzas Ooh, i don't i think i missed that episode that's yeah it's a good one he cooks it so he'll like he cooks on his flat top but he'll cook the pepperoni and it like cooks into like a cup like they all cup right and then you could kind of dump out the grease that's gross with pepperoni and then you put the cupped pepperonis on your pizza and that's what you cook because right like you're already cooking your crust most of the time and really by the time you're putting your ingredients on the pizza you are really just like flash cooking right like you're just getting it really hot melting it together the crust is basically already cooked right and so that was how he did pepperoni pizzas. He cooks the pepperonis separately. And it just made sense to me. Interesting. Yeah, I'm all about this, actually. The, yeah, uh, it just made sense. Yeah, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to make some pizza here soon. Uh, have you done pizza on your Blackstone? Uh, no, I have not. You can do that. Okay. And it's really good. I used, I mean, you can use pizza dough, obviously. But I used just a tortilla and people are going to say, oh, that's just a quesadilla. No, it's not. Like pizza can be anything. If I serve pizza on French bread, nobody cares. They call it French bread pizza. But if I serve pizza on a tortilla, oh, that's a quesadilla. No, it isn't. So pizza on a tortilla on the Blackstone, you just go, you get your tortilla a little bit crunchy, put your toppings on, throw a bowl or something over the top, steam it so it kind of melts done you could do fresh mozzarella like you could do a lot of really good things okay i'm i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to look into this but and with that jeff as we have now left we've had a wild show today we (laughs) we discussed a new currency we uh railed on the federal reserve we introduced our fans to hershey high country beef we talked about football and basketball and how insanely good Gonzaga is and how underappreciated this year's BYU team is. And then we circled back around to the food because you don't get to look the way that you and I look without appreciating food. Uh, You're absolutely right. And I Uh, think we are going to give our kitchens hell this week because I I feel like we're going to do something good and we'll probably text each other about it, maybe post a picture online, share the recipe with the world, but it's always an adventure at our house. I am going to do the Oklahoma onion burger on my Blackstone. It's Sam, the cooking guy's video from today. It's basically a smash burger. Go watch it. And we will both do it sometime this week. And we will talk about our Oklahoma onion burgers next week. Okay. We're going to do it. And that will be great. And with that, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell. <laughs>